0: Namu Tasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namu Tasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namu Tasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Putang Damang Sangang Namasami I was um, just flipped open a a greeting card that was on the mantelpiece today, and it was from Amravati, and I think it's the card they send out different card at the end of each year, like we do, kind of greeting salutation, you know, thought for the year, thought for the day, to friends and supporters and so on. This one had a quote in it from Lumpur Cha, and char It said, um, I haven't got it exactly right, but it said something like, you know, Buddhism is about development of the heart. Anyone who is practicing for the development of the heart is practicing Buddhism, or practicing the teachings of the Buddha. Which is a nice uh, little thing to bear in mind, you know, development of the heart. And... Uh, you know, if we so really trying to always with uh, Ajahn Chah, it's trying to bring it right back into into one's own court, into one's own responsibility. You know, not to even be looking at what other people are doing or great teachers or whatever. You know, sometimes these things can be intimidating, or if you haven't quite made it because you're not where they're at, or you've got to be this, that, and the other. And really, the, always the emphasis is on well, what's happening for yourself, and how are you, how you're managing that, <laughs> you know, developing the heart, which is sometimes that you know heart is one way of putting it. The same word heart is word for mind, chitta. You could say it's also means spirit, you know, because it's not really obviously it's not an organ. It's not the thinking system, but it's the effective system. It's the it's the place where um, watchfulness, awareness is present. There, it's the place we might say right at the centre of our lives. Is this chitta, this awareness, this mind, this sense of um, you know what we sense ourselves as being, which has doesn't have a name. Or a personality—it's it's somehow within that and beyond it. Yeah. You know, the very sense of what you sense, where you sense yourself as being, any particular moment. So it's changing. It can be accompanied by, you know, anger or jealousy or joy or love or stillness or whatever. It can be there with that, and yet it's none of these. Mm. So it's to develop the this. So that as we develop it, it begins to come out of its sleep, come out of its belief in thoughts and emotions and attitudes and so on. Mm. Because it it knows itself. Mm. It can also be called the place of knowing. Awakening is just this. So developing this, or at least, uh, bringing it into this, first of all, in a way, is clearing away some of the, the, uh, you know, the wrong views, what we're actually looking for, what we expect, you know. So is it about being happy? Well, not exactly. Sometimes. Is it about being st- still? Well, yeah, but not exactly. You know. Is it about doing good? Yeah, but not exactly. <laughs> you know, because you can be doing good and being happy and uh, even feeling quite still, and yet really not of uh, fully... Realise the the heart. These in a way are all the skillful means, the, the stage posts on the way. It's certainly not about doing other than this, but it's not about doing anything really. It's about doing enough to get past the doing place, the place where there's me doing it, the place where I'm making it work and getting better at it and sometimes not being so good at it and... Wondering about myself whether I'm ever going to be it or not. It. It's it's getting out of that that area, that place, which is associated with our sense of self, our you know our personality, our place that where we control our lives, and which is always going up and down, and going through history, and uh, you know caught in a place of dualities of pleasure and pain and gain and loss and so on and t- really trying to, to you know get clear of all that difficult stuff the painful and the uncontrollable and the confusing what do you want to get out of all that you know? and the the you know it's what everyone wants to get out of everyone wants to get out of suffering and of course the the Teachings are really that it's through you don't get out of suffering that way. You know, through so trying to get out of suffering. <laughs> you get out of suffering through letting go of what brings it up. You know, what what where the very basis of this is. Yeah. And it may be what's the difference between those two things? Well, one is that one you retain your sense of ego. You know, so I'm going to try and get out of this mess to get somewhere better. And the other one is you let go of your, your ego. You know, you, you get past that. You come from a different place. So, in fact, there isn't something in you that keeps pulling the difficulties into yourself. You know, obviously, enlightened or unenlightened, there's still physical pain. There's sickness. There's, there's loss. There's separation. There's all these things. But um, for the person who's whose heart has moved, who's realised their true heart, this stuff doesn't stick in them. It said like um, a normal person has two arrows that stab them. One is the arrow of physical pain, and one is the arrow of mental distress. Whereas I mean, enlightened being only has one, because <laughs> yeah. they're not trying to to. Um, They found some way where where that system of really trying to defend yourself and make yourself and become something uh, is no longer necessary. So this is the the true development, is that development of the great heart. It's not certainly not without doing or without controlling things, it's with those, but there comes a point in which there's enough of that. So it's attractive to think that we could start off not doing anything and not, you know, trolling anything is actually, I think, a little bit naive, really because uh, this stuff happens by itself you know it's not the controlling and the doing is a kind of reflexive activity you know people find it very difficult actually just to to be still for long periods of time something just the mind even though you can be sitting still your mind doesn't actually slow down and stop it's still into doing it's into thinking it's into making it's into planning it's into fretting about itself yeah. So the, just because you can physically sit there doesn't mean you're not doing anything. Yeah. So the the you know it actually takes some sense of doing something to actually you know turn off that that nervous reflex to be able to come into something freer. And this is really what uh, practice of samadhi is about. Yeah. You know, actually training the mind to tune in, to sense the body, to sense itself, to begin to step back from its thoughts, to be able to actually shift energy, which is what you do in samadhi. You you actually gear, change the mind's gearing down. You can knock the gear down. So instead of it running all the time in, in top gear, it can just come into cruise. You know, it can drop. So the mind actually does become... Kind of still you know you can do that something you, you learn how to do and it's not really about kind of holding the mind in some rigid grasp but actually really seeing um, how you can train the mind to just sit in the body the body's rhythm so that, that the energies of the body begin to train the mind, it's like, it's like picking up a, a, a rhythm you feel that, and your mind feels hey, that's better. So you, it just starts to let go, because it finds something that much better to sit within than in its own loops and orbits. Yeah. And so it starts to, you know, and it's just training your mind to, to keep steering back to that, to just sitting in that, sitting in that. Um, and actually it isn't really about holding a particular point, although you get have a phrase like one-pointedness, really means you have one intention, one aim. You know, you've singled it down to... This is not a time for analysis, not a time for planning, not a time for even conceiving of getting anywhere. You know, in practice, it's just a time to really know what's happening in terms of breathing in, breathing out, in terms of things of this nature. Just to just really... You know, without some sense of, oh I'll do this and then i it will go, you know, because that's still the mind is then still trying to make something out of the out of the brave breathing. So it's still trying to control it. And why breathing is so helpful is because the mind and the breathing are so connected that either the mind controls the breathing or the breathing controls the mind. It there's only it doesn't go only two ways. Yeah, this is why it is such a, um, a central practice of the Buddha taught. You yeah, know, because it it it's a place where you can get the the body, just the ordinary body, with, which which is happening by itself, to just start to steady, hold, satisfy, comfort, stabilize the mind, stabilize the that energy, you know, just by opening, by the body opening itself, opening its energies and you find, you know, so welcoming the mind back into that through the process of breathing in, breathing out. So the mind eventually learns it doesn't have to keep doing things, it can let go. And it's still safe, it's still comfortable, it's still, it's actually more safe, more comfortable than it gets through its normal outgoing activities. So one development of mind is the development of um, tuning in, attention, mindfulness and the development of surrender Hmm. the development of of letting go Hmm. and those those two are both very important and although we often may conceive of something like samadhi as really being a real focusing practice you, you know, you can focus all you like and uh, unless you get the point of surrender, it doesn't actually shift your citta to a different place, your mind to a different place. It's really that's the important bit because that's where it, the mind shifts from being ego centered into being something much more profound, profoundly centered. Yeah. So it's not like, um, you know, surrendering to the will of your ego either. <laughs> you know, doesn't, losing, letting go of control doesn't mean do whatever you like. It, because then you're just following, being controlled by the forces of, you know, thoughts, impulses, messages, media, desires, fears, agitation. No, then you're just getting another set of control. You know. It's about actually coming to a to a place beyond that. You know? Similarly, when we practice with the the metta bhavana, the loving loving kindness, kindness and compassion, obviously this is a great thing to do. You know, it's just standard, should be standard behaviour. You know, something we keep tuning into. So when we lose it, we think, "Hey, what's happening? I don't feel." you know, I'm feeling aversion here, I'm feeling jealous, I'm feeling negative, I'm feeling bitter or cynical or whatever it is, you know or unforgiving, what's happening you know, so you keep tuning into that, but you realise how just on a purely ego-centred way it's kind of difficult to keep it going because you think, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and metta for this, karuna compassion for that, and geez, when I get a break, you know (laughs) I mean, cause the because one of the testing points when you try to. it's supposed to be to others as to myself. So when you try to do meta for yourself, it's kind of like. Um, yeah, you, know, you do that, you know. Do you think of all the good things about yourself? It seems kind of weird. as if narcissistic even. And often you're stumped to come up with anything. <laughs> I don't know about you, I think. well,. Um, um, yeah, you yeah. know, something good. Yeah, I'll probably did something good today, but it doesn't hasn't got a feel to it. It's just like a, you know, trying to create a, a list of things. It just seems kind of a bit silly. Um, so where does that come from? You know, where do you actually get the sense of kindness and compassion towards yourself? Because you can get it there, and I feel that really, that to really get it there is a very good indication of what, what it is. Mm. It's actually just always turning your energy around. So instead of it being about making something happen, or being good at anything, or being, being nice, it's just a feeling of, of being within something that is basically nourishing, Um, It's nourishing as air is, you know, as ordinary as that. Just like it's ordinary to breathe in. Everybody does it. Then kindness towards yourself could be—it's just as ordinary as that. Just as ordinary as taking an in-breath. It's just as normal as that. Yeah. On a purely on on another level, you know, rather than adding up all the good things you did today, it's just some some sense of fundamental. Really fundamental. You know, you're looking for your well being, aren't you? I mean whatever you do, there's something you want to feel good, feel nourished, feel satisfied. Just to recognise that all of us have a wish for happiness of some kind, of perhaps you don't like the word happiness, fulfilment, feeling comfortable, feeling good, feeling at peace, you know. We all have this aspiration, wish to, to experience that. That very basic thing that hardly expresses itself in any kind of verbal way. You know. And just like, you know, you, know, you, don't, want to, you don't want to damage yourself. You tune into that, that quality. That's almost the fundamental thing that nature provides us with. On a psychological level, just like you don't go around cutting your fingers off, or you know. and it's it's uh, I think it's remarkable in some ways how how kind of difficult this can be when you, when you, you kind of lose touch with yourself on an earth level. You know, we we form ourselves at very complex egoic levels, where it's personality and performance and what people think and how good you're doing and whether you've done enough good today or this, that and the other. Just kind of really complex judgments and, and values rather than just the basic kind of earth, ground level, just like, you, you know, you see something in pain and something you want to, oh, you know, stop that happening. It's as simple as that. Yeah and to try to get that simple with oneself, rather than I have to approve of everything I've thought or said today. No, no, it's not about what it's about. It's about something that's that's not controlled, not contrived, but as natural as that. And uh, I think both of these practices, because they're both taught by the Buddha, as almost like the the two pathways are there to really only get accomplished properly when you're able to shift, when the mind is able to shift out of its kind of ego patterns, where we're just talking about things or living our lives into just feeling how life is affecting us and feeling a sense of conscience, concern, warm-heartedness, nourishment, you know, clarity within that. So the point where, you know, you, you, you don't, your mind doesn't seek to prove anything about yourself. Yeah. So then the doing good comes from a place of fullness of ease and fullness rather than from some you know attempt to to get over the negative impression <laughs> you know or feel you have to in order to keep up with what other people's expectations. It comes from a fullness rather than an impoverished sense that you're in debt, not good enough, therefore you should do something to be good enough. You know that will never end, as far as I can see, because you take the program with you. But it could be that you don't. How good you have to? You don't have to be that good to feel some sense of may this being be well. You You don't have to be that good at all, that mindful. You know, it could be as simple as that. You know, and unless there is a shift to that naturalness. Which is the hallmark of the true Dhamma? It's like just something that flows naturally. That it, it um, then there hasn't been a proper, there hasn't been a proper tuning in, a proper attention, a proper understanding of where the development is going to occur. It's not to. It's not about development of anything egoic, of anything self-congratulatory. Of anything self achieved of anything self important making you more important powerful interesting stimulating attractive wonderful etc just it's nothing to do with that, and of course none of, we don't think these things we don't think I oh, want, but you know they're not they're not you know, they're kind of shadow effects that you that you only really know that you're hankering after when you 're not getting enough of them <laughs> You know, get enough of the affirmations, and you start to think. You know, you don't get enough of the the gold stars or the ticks or the, you know, the attention or whatever. Then something starts to feel restless or ill at ease or, you know, deprived. You know, then it's then you begin to see this sense of how, you know, as long as one is centered in these kind of in that level then there is this fundamental poverty in our lives. And we're always coming from poverty, trying to get enough to get over the poverty. And we can't get over it. Yeah. It just drains out, you know, the, 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 the praise, the happiness, the success, the achievements just drain out like through a leaky bucket. But uh, because it's, that's the nature of the egoic program, it's, it doesn't really work. We don't get out of suffering that way. Out of unsatisfactoriness, out of being insatiable. You know, look at Dukkha like that. It's the insatiable, the unsatisfied, the not, never enough sense that comes up. And uh, it's not always about material things, is it? Sometimes it's just a kind of nagging feeling that somehow you're missing your life or you haven't quite hit what you're supposed to be doing and where you're going, what's going on. It's this kind of nagging sense. And, you know... The Buddha said, "You can run around the world on this one. You don't get to the end of it until you have got to the place where you come out of that that loop. Then you get to the end of the world." So there can be a kind of sense of of stillness that comes through the surrender. Surrender is one way of looking at it, one word. We surrender into our, into just into our simple presence of being here. And uh, tune into that quality of being here, that quality of, of, of awareness, uh, embodied awareness, grounded awareness, awareness that you can really um, sense, And so samadhi tends to make that highlight it. Yeah, as a real, almost a physical presence that that really grounds you and holds you. But of course, the the crucial point, the crucial factor, which is. uh, the bit that actually states very clearly what that step, what that shift is about. It yeah. says so you can have concentration, which is sort of, you know, just about holding a point, or you can have something that comes through practicing and then tuning in and then dropping into it. Letting yourself drop into that, and the the, the crucial factor that dis, ter, distinguishes, you know, is called sadha. And I use the Buddhist, the pali word first of all because because you know it gives you something to to lab, to, to get a word there before we put in the the English standard English translation, partly because of what these English words carry in this word, standard tra- translation, this is faith sometimes conviction, sometimes faith and from the, you know, where people often find fault, problems with this is because from the egoic point of view faith means belief, belief in something you know. because that's, that's the way it you know, when you come from that center, that's, that's what it means. You know, you have faith in God, the church, something or the other out there. Hmm. But uh, the sense of sadhar is actually the hallmark of the Aryan. That is what distinguishes them from um, the person who hasn't found this other center is the quality of faith, they have unshakable faith it's not just about supporting a doctrine or a belief or an idea it's a sense of real come home groundedness that you you can't you can't shake it off you know you can't shake it off it doesn't shake off you know it's the bit that's there when you know you you go through a whole emotional stuff blows through and you just come back to this place again and you know, it's rather like that. It's not about uh, belief in anything. Though often it's said as has their their sadha is rooted in, is established in the Buddha Dharma Sangha. Mm. It's rooted in that Buddha, the awakened. That in fact. The resolution of all stress comes through awakening, not through fixing, changing, making, doing. But awakening. Yeah, you know what that means? Do you know what that means? You know, do you really meditate on what that means? You know, that when you next time you get into a squeeze, a jam, a fluster, the point is to actually wake up to it, rather than. Sort it out, change it, fix it, you know. Just to wake up open up, steady in that. Where the ground disappears, stay there <laughs> rather than scramble, panic, you know. You, you you have a sense of when you get when it comes like that, when you get squeezed, when the ground falls away, instead of going to the panic summit, you goes, Right, be with this, stay with this. I dunno. Good. You know open up to that you've got something like that that happens mm. you have faith in the dhamma yeah. teachings the realizations that uh, the first thing that you that 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 one reaches for is uh if you like, there's that movement towards mindfulness, towards application, towards focusing on, being with, mm. rather than sort of projecting, blaming, judging, you know, rushing out, this, that and the other, but just actually to to really staying with that. And Sangha, that the uh, path is, is uh, about these... There's a sense of, um, you know, it's a human path. It's a path, it's not theoretical, it's practiced by human beings. Mm. That's what Sangha really typifies, because it's not about one person, or about one special being. But about what Sangha is an assembly, it means that, you know, big, small, male, female, whatever, you know, it's about a whole kind of companionship can get us through, of of people who can be through, who can move through that. So, you know, it's anyone who can practice it, really. So it's dependent entirely, not upon upon anyone else, but upon your own, you know, practicing now qualities. And so often, you know, you hear people say, oh, I can't do this, be, you know, I'm not. I can't. I haven't got enough of this. I'm going to borrow me. I don't have merit and the other. You know, when are you going to get any enough? When is it going to be enough? <laughs> you know, it's right at that place of of doubt that you need to practice. You need to just come out of that thought. <coughs> Somebody else just coming to this last retreat I taught and then one of the people who was helping out in the kitchen was saying, oh, you know, oh, I've got very little mindfulness, I can't, I don't see how I can possibly sustain mindfulness, you know, how much you have to do to be mindful, I'm so busy, I said, well, first of all, you know, just notice that particular thought and emotion in your mind now and uh, just be with that, and don't make anything out of it, you know, don't add to it or fight with it or analyze it there you are, you know and the next moment you don't know (laughs) but all you can do right now you can't predict how mindful you're going to be in the future or how mindful you need to be or whether you have been, why you are or why you aren't all you can be is mindful of the experience you're having right now can you, and is you know, that takes some sort of Sadar faith, but it's a very intimate faith. It's a very pragmatic kind of faith. It takes you into yourself, into really what's happening, rather than to some ideal beyond what's happening. And uh, so you know to actually have shifted to that and be able to to, to be with that. You know, this is what we call the the realisation, noble realisation. All other developments of the heart are towards um, strengthening this. Because in another way the where I sometimes translate Sadhari's courage it helps to balance out the the wrong ideas that can happen around word like faith it's the courage to be with where you are, it's the courage to be with the unknown, it's the courage to be with the confused it's the courage to be with the hurt, it's the courage to be with the blamed it's not about a courage like a shield that prevents that blocks things, it's a courage like something that can just kind of hold you present you know, it's there. Sense so of just something that holds you there, from you know taking the pain of the world into your system. So you don't, you don't, you know. So when it, it's stuff is going wrong around you and you're a bit at the centre of that, what is it that stops you taking all that in? Mm-hmm. You realise there's nothing in the world that can harm you except yourself really do you, do you understand that you know, it's only that you you know you take the harsh word and you believe in it and you stick it into yourself reflexively you know you see the problems around you you think it's up to you it's your fault you should be better than you are you should make something happen you, you know we do that You take, uh, you know, your husband's problems, your son's problems, your wife's problems, think it's up to you to sort it out and you should have fixed it by now and if you've only been a good mother, parent, father, child, you've been all right, stick it in yourself. (laughs) You know, how many of us are trying to kind of... uh, Find our sense of satisfaction and feeling rested and feeling okay by making everything around us okay. And is it okay? Can it be okay with it not being okay? Uh, I don't think that's easy. Without, you know, it'd be easy if you screened it all off and said, "I don't give a damn," you know, whatever. But you, but. You can't keep doing that either. So to actually be with that, but not be taking it in as yours. <coughs> and of course, uh, the development of the heart means that when we come out of that kind of program, does it then actually... That quality of fearlessness, that quality of richness means that it doesn't mean we stop doing things, you know, or putting attention to what we're doing or trying to help others, but it's a feeling of, well, it's just what you do, isn't it? It's just like breathing out. You know, you breathe in, take in the good stuff naturally, then naturally you breathe out, you know, you send it out whether, whether it works or not. is 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 another way of looking at it you know you you just you do that and uh yeah you know, basically that's the basic thing once you once you've got that basic sense of it's it's a free act it's something coming from your own um your own strengths your own confidence then sure you can sort of begin to learn of well, maybe it'd be better that way, this way, that way, this way, that way, you yeah, know, I could do this. So you can actually use the more kind of uh, personal forms, you know, you know, if you're your intellect or you're skilled with your hands or you've got a good, um, you know, you're good with people or you're good at this or the other, you can use those kind of more personal forms. But they're not really... Um, you know, they're being just servants, they're not something you're actually sort of being, taking pride in. They're just, they're just functions, it's what you do. Which is what you, know, you see the, the Buddha and the Aryans by, I mean, certainly the Buddha spent his whole life, just breathing, you know, breathing out his teachings. And wasn't not every didn't always work. You know. A lot of people didn't understand what he was talking about. Some people accused him. Some people blamed him. Some people tried to kill him. It wasn't like every every dumber talk was a winner that knocked people's socks off, <laughs> and it was a blazing success. Not at all. But it's just uh, you know his cousin, his own cousin, David Dutta, tried to assassinate him on several occasions. As you know, his own fellow, he grew up with. Mm-hmm. But how to, you know, just to to make the sense of care and kindness, and and uh, bring forth just as natural as one breathes out. And sometimes he said, "There's no, you know, there's nothing." You realise there's nothing you can do there, so he he didn't. You know, the person's not available for the teaching, okay. That's also the case. So it's like uh, the wonderful thing about, you know, bear in mind about the Buddha is it's all humility. He said, well, you know, not everybody's going to get what I talk about, perhaps very few will. Um, you know, it's not, it's not going to help everyone, but it'll help a few. I'll do it. He also said other some people will actually come across this by themselves. They don't need me so that's that's really it's nice to to remember these things, isn't it that uh it's not about the Buddha as some you know great egoic only way kind of person, <laughs> but just uh touching into the to the great heart and letting it speak that shift you know sometimes i like to I don't i just find myself sitting a lot or being just sitting quietly a lot sitting still a lot you know into the night and just just touching into these places where you know the mind starts to after, you know, maybe an hour or two, it's going, okay, well, I've done the meditation now. It should be, it's time to go to sleep. Actually, I don't feel sleepy, damn it. <laughs> I can't, oh, I'd sit here then. I could do something. No, no, you've, you've been doing things, so you don't need to do anything. Right, okay, well, then I should meditate. Uh, yeah, you know, but, you know, actually sensing how even the, the, the The desire to meditate is, uh, well, we do something and, you know, get the good results and, you know, sign off. And no, (laughs) it's not even that good. Just sort of surrendering to, to just, just, just to being here. Just practicing that. Doesn't have to mean anything, doesn't have to make sense, doesn't have to be anything, just surrendering to being here. Coming up against the restlessness, uncertainty, is this it? Should I be this? Should I do that? Is it time for this? Is it this state? What state am I in? Should I do this? You know, just (laughs) just be here. Don't do that. You know. Hmm. We're passing this little story around at tea time today with the monks and about these, uh, you know, one of these kind of long retreats, three-month retreats or so, these very strong lead retreats, and the you know guy goes into it, you know, he's got three months, and after a week you think, oh, this is hell, oh, no, I, just, God, I can't stand this, it's tough, it's tight, it's, it's tough. And he just managed to get through the first month, you know, I got through a month, I managed to survive, or well, maybe I could... I could, oh, maybe another week I could make it, and he gets through two months. I think, oh well, I've done two months, only a month more, maybe maybe I won't actually die on it anyway, and he just keeps going, it's tough and it's tight and it's restless three hours get to the last day or so he comes to find the last day, and uh, you know come comes to the last the master is giving the last talk, and he says, oh well, I'd like to congratulate everyone on doing this three month retreat It's been a tough session, three months, but you've all really practiced so ardently you go oh, you don't know it's been hell You're practicing so well. you know and he's thinking my practice has been a real mess he's you've all been practicing so well that I think we should continue for another couple of weeks or so to really you know make it shine and and uh this moment he just kind of his mind is completely. Freaks out. You know, and they're sitting there for 15 minutes. His mind just kind of completely breaks up. The bits and pieces all over the place. And 15 minutes, and then the master rings the bell. And says, "Okay, that's the end of the retreat." And they say he does that every year, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. just to get to that point when you held it together, held it together, held it together, <laughs> and then finally you think it's going to end, and then ding, it doesn't. You've got something else that. <coughs> <laughs> just finally, you know, shift, will you? <laughs> Stop trying to, you know, get through, get to the end of it, you know, get past it. Just, <laughs> And it's something that, uh, you know, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make that happen? You just have to get a sense for you know, coming to those places where it gets itchy and it gets squeezed and it gets fidgety and it gets pointless and it gets restless and it gets useless and it gets... isn't doing any good. And it's, that's good stuff. Just just um, can you rest in that, open to that, awaken to that, hold that, stay with that, and let it do its work. And then sort of just dropping. Mm. And always, of course... Why we have these practices of embodiment, that's going to be there. You know, when you're, everything else goes haywire, you've still got a body, you're still breathing in and breathing out. That's why we establish that. You yeah. know, you're still going to breathe in and breathe out. So, that's going to be there. And really important, wherever you are, whatever you are, whoever you are. Ah. May that be well. Good luck. Anyone mm-hmm.